Yo, yo, what's going on? This is John Ross, Marcus Cox. Coming back at you with the Way Too Much JMC podcast. Hope everybody's doing well. Headed into their Memorial Day weekend. Start off the show tonight with a quick little defense of one of my homeboys, Representative uh, Josh Calloway out of Breckenridge County. A couple days ago on his uh, podcast, the Josh, Josh Calloway podcast, his producer had put in the details or whatever of the show that he'd done that the LGBTQI community is a disease, yada, yada. I want everybody to remember a couple months back, a few months back, same type thing happened to Michael Knowles with Daily Wire. And they tried to, they tried to burn him at the stake or whatever. But just like Michael Knowles, Josh wasn't talking about individual humans. He's talking about an ideology. Unfortunately for the L's and the G's, the BTQIA pluses, there go the LGBTQIA community has taken over their movement. The leftist Marxist people of the Democratic Party has taken over their movement. The movement, the community, I'll say it unapologetically, is a disease. The individuals, there are individuals in the community that are, the people aren't a disease. The left is good at this. They collectively, they're good at turning things into a collective and talking in the collective. But then as soon as you push back against whatever that collective is talking about or is trying to do, they're good at flipping the script and now all of a sudden they make it individual. Now you're you're pushing back on the individual. You don't like the individual. You hate the individual. You're a bigot versus against the individual. You, know, you, you don't get to have your cake and eat it too. You can't talk in the collective and not allow me to respond to the collective as a whole. None of us on on the this side of the party of this side of the aisle that I know of has any hate in their heart towards any of these people. I know gay people and lesbian people. I mean I don't I don't hate them. One of the people that came at it, Josh on Twitter, Michael Frazier, here in Little Boys with the or I'm sorry here in Kentucky, it's with the young, young GOP or whatever. I know him. He's a good dude. He's from Eastern Kentucky. He's gay. I don't give a damn. He's never asked me to approve of his lifestyle. Nor have I asked him to approve of things that I'm sure he doesn't like about me. I mean... That's life. Okay, but jo- Josh responded. I want to get to you in his words. He says the core point of this of this podcast is that Target is targeting your children. Remember, whenever Target was selling the the tuck, uh, the female tucky pecker under you under your pants, uh, women's swimsuits. A couple of days back, most everyone knows that the mutilation of children and chemical castration of children is wrong, even if they refuse to accept that gender dysphoria is a psychiatric disease. The fact is that LGBTQIA plus and gender ideology is spreading on social media as a social contagion and targeting confused children. I'm amazed at the hypocrisy of people who promote genital mutilation, chemical castration, and the murder of unborn babies yet clutch their pearls when they read a description posted on YouTube by my video producer. I'm going to say unequivocally, Josh Calloway is no, he's no bigot. He's no homophobe. He's not closed-minded. None of that stuff. He is undoubtedly a devout Christian. 
plays the piano, all that, sings in church, worship leader. Got a beautiful family. Beautiful, sweet, smart wife, wonderful children. He's not what they're painting him out to be. He doesn't need me to defend him, though. I just get pissed. But we're going to talk tonight about what he's trying to say. What he's saying is there's something in the air. Or something in the curriculum. Or something in the doctor's manual. Because the disease, the disease isn't the individuals in the LGBTQI community. The disease is the ideology being pumped into children through mass schooling and through big pharma. And the numbers are staggering and they're undeniable that what I'm saying is true. So let's hop into it. Just going to remind you, a couple, uh, last episode we talked about a, and I'll show you one of these graphics, we talked about a survey came out from the CDC, said about one in four high school students identifies as LGBTQ using data from 2021. The CDC says the number of LGBTQ students went from 11% in 2015, 11 in 2015, to 26% in 2021. The health organization said a potential reason for the increase in LGBTQ students could be from their wording around students who are questioning their sexuality. Increases in the percentage of LGBTQ students might be a result of changes in question wording to include students identifying as questioning I'm not sure about my sexual identity or other I describe my sexual identity in some other way, the report, the report reads. Now, why would they include those little disclaimers in this? Because the, according to the left, none of this stuff's a problem. Well, I mean, why the hell would we care if it's 50, 60% or LGBT? It's because they know it's absolutely asinine. That it's totally ridiculous. That in a six-year period, you go from one in ten individuals to damn near three in ten. Thirty percent of our population than their LGBT. Okay, and this is out of seventy thousand five hundred students out of one hundred fifty-two schools across the country. The other big thing they don't tell you here, or they do tell you here, and I don't know if it's if this is, if this is registering for people or not, only 2.4% of these high school students, despite 26% of them saying they're LGBT, only 2.4% had sexual contact with only the same sex. And we're going to keep coming back to this 3% number. Because historically speaking, all the much of the research I've done, podcasts I've listened to, research papers I've read, peer-reviewed research, all that, for centuries, it's been about 3% of the population that's identified as homosexual. And I, I, I personally kind of, I group off homosexuality from all this other business. Someone who knows they're gay or lesbian and otherwise wants to live their life like a, the average Joe Schmo in America. They just want to be able to get their pensions, their retirement plans, be on the health insurance, have a piece of paper saying they're married, but otherwise live in a monogamous relationship. A lot of times have, have either their own blood-related children or they've adopted children, whatever. That's different to me. That doesn't, I'm not saying I, I'm like accepting of that like lifestyle or I'm promoting it or whatever, like, but it's different. 
than running around being promiscuous and having all kinds of sex partners with all different gen with all different genders, or saying a boy's a girl or a girl's a boy. It's it's different. So let's remember that. CDC said as of twenty twenty one. 26% of high schoolers are saying they're LGBTQ, while only 2% are actually saying they're gay or lesbian. Okay, remember that. We'll come back to it. I'm going to show you this. If you're watching, if you're not, we're obviously going to talk through this, so bear with me here while I get, while I get it pulled up. So this is the Statista chart we talked about the other day on a previous show. Showing 7.2% of U.S. adults identify as LGBT. Okay, so when you're looking at this, the number I was just giving you a minute ago, that was high school students. So for the most part, those were minors, under 18 years old. This is going to be people that's over 18, and the, and the bigger study we're going to talk about here in a second that kind of goes with this statista, because this comes from Gallup. This is from the bigger article we're going to go through in a second. If you look at Gen Z, born from 97 to 2004, millennials 81 to 96, Gen X 65 to 80, boomers 46 to 64, traditionalists before 1946, born in those time ranges. If you look at those, the traditional boomers and Gen, and Gen X are all hovering at that 3% number that identifies LGBT. Traditionalists a little lower than that, 1.7 in 2022, but that in 2014 as well. Baby boomers, 2.7%, was a little lower in 2020, then was up in 2017, about the same in 2014, so it's been hovering around 2.7. Gen X, 65 to 80. It's been at 3.3%, pretty much holding steady since at least 2014. Then you start looking at 2014, talking about millennials from 81 to 96, okay? And remember that in each one of these segments from 2014, 2017, 2020, 2022, they're only looking at adults. Okay, so as the younger ones become adults, you can see every three years it keeps ticking up. For all the other three, it stayed, it stayed virtually the same. For millennials, it goes from 5.6% you know, or something, jumps up to 11.2% in 2022. We're talking about a doubling. Okay, and then in 2022, Gen Z, they're at 19.7% identifying as LGBT. That's, I mean, guys, listen. No matter what, that's an unsustainable number. <laughs> if they're actually homosexual and they're not, like, you know, the birth rate matters. Ask China. Ask Russia. If you're not replacing your old folks, you're not going to survive as a human, as a race, as a human race, as a species. Now we're going to walk through this, the Gallup article that's actually going in depth on these, on that, on that last article we just, uh, or that last chart we looked at. And it starts here. The percentage of U.S. adults who self-identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, or something other than heterosexual has increased to a new high of 7.1%, which is double the percentage of 2012. So it's doubled. The increase in LGBT identification in recent years largely reflects the higher prevalence of such identities among the youngest U.S. adults compared with older generations. Roughly 21% of Gen Z Americans who have reached adulthood, those born between 97 and 2003, identify as LGBT. This is nearly double the proportion of millennials who do so while the gap widens even further when compared with older generations. So you can see the little chart here. 
showing you. Gen Z 20.8, Millennials 10.5, Gen, Gen X 4.2, Boomers 2.6, Traditionals 0.8. The main thing that changed on the LGBT is like you look at the no response. You went from it always hovered around 7% of no response to dropping down to 3.5%. But that doesn't explain the gigantic jump. I mean, I want you to think about this. Social contagion, like Josh said. Like, who can deny there's some kind of social contagion going on if pre-1946, 0.8% of, of the population said they're LGBT? Today, it's 20.8. Are we really trying to say that prior to 1946, 20.8% of the population was actually LGBT, but they were just scared to say it? It must not have been all it was because they were still having children. Traditionalists were the ones uh, popping out the babies, creating the baby boomers. <clears throat> Since Gallup began measuring LGBT identification in 2012, the percentage of traditionalists, baby boomers, and Gen X adults who identify as LGBT has held relatively steady. At the same time, there's been a modest uptake among millennials from 5.8 in 2012 to 7.8 in 2017 to 10.5 currently. A modest uptick? It's, it doubled in 10 years. Doubled. And even if, if I'm just, even if the percentages, I'm not, I'm not trying to play a percentage game here and make it sound, use the one that sounds higher. Like ten and a half percent, that means that you go from five out of a hundred to ten out of a hundred. That's a big jump, people. Again, especially when you're talking about like birth birth rates, population stability, all that. The percentage of Gen Z who are LGBT has nearly doubled since twenty seventeen when only the lead when only the leading edge of that generation. Those born between 97 and 99 had reached adulthood. At that time, 10.5% of the small slice of the generation who were adults identifies LGBT. Now, a much greater proportion of Gen Z, but still not all of it, has become adults. The sharp increase in LGBT identification among generations since 2017 indicates that the younger Gen Z members are more likely than the older members of the, gener of the generation to identify as LGBT. Okay, so listen to this. They're already saying that 20.8% of Gen Z saying they're LGBT. But they're not even counting the ones that are, that are minors. And they're saying that as minors become adults, that number grows. And then over here, we've got, a, we've got one. We've got numbers from the CDC saying that 26% of, of minors in high school, 26% is identifying as LGBT. And then Gallup is telling us that as those minors get older, the number increases. So what are we saying? That 45% of the population is going to be LGBT in five years, 10 years? That's ridiculous. And nobody with a brain thinks that's natural. Nobody. You don't have to be a Christian fundamentalist to think that. Now, here we go. We're going to start getting in the meat and potatoes a little bit here. God, if you just look at this chart, it looks it looks wild. Just look at those there. Look at those jumps. Look at that jump right there from 2017. It's only Gen Z. I mean, that's 7.8 to 10.5 for millennials. I mean, that's still a steep, you know, from 2012 to 2021, it's still a steep jump, that, that 5% doubling in 10 years, right? But Gen Z's doubling in 
four years. Four. Why is that? We're going to talk about that later, too. More than half of LGBT Americans, 57%, indicate they are bisexual. Okay. 10% are transgender. 4% are something else. Something about this bisexual number. Just it just it just gets I don't I don't I'm t hopefully we can work through this together here. And for those of y'all watching, we can look at her and say among LGBT US adults. Lesbian 30.9, gay 20.7, bisexual 56.8, 10% transgender. Look over here among all US adults. Again, 1% lesbian, 1.5% gay, 4% 4% bisexual, 0.7% transgender. So now we're saying that and then 0.3% other, which is queer, same gender, loving, yada, yada. So that means you add those two together, transgender and other. They're trying to say there's as many transgender people as lesbian and gay people. So again, like I, keep, like I was saying earlier, the L and the G, y'all need to stand y'all's ground and take, and take back a hold of your movement. Because the BT, the BT, whatever... Q, Q, QIG plus stuff is taken is I mean it's it's taken over and it's drowning you out the other thing that the bisexual thing that I don't that, that really stands out to me is talk about the social contagion to be bisexual to actively be bisexual you have to have multiple sex partners by definition you have sex with males and females So you're not in a monogamous relationship. Or you're telling your spouse you are. Why you got a little side piece of the same sex on the side. And you got kids. So at some point down the road, you got another family getting destroyed. Because heterosexual affairs destroy families. Anybody who's ever known someone who's uh, found out their dad was actually cheating on their mom with a dude knows it ain't, ain't no damn easier. Probably harder. Anybody knows a, anybody knows a dad that's been cheated on, been, been cheated on by, on their, by their wife with another woman knows that uh, most of those men would probably have chosen rather have been with a man. So, but they, I mean, so like again, it's just the promiscuous. It's just the promiscuousness of the of the whole thing. The confusion of it. That young adults, minors, high schoolers. Either think they don't know what they're attracted to. Or they don't know what their sex is, or they think their sex goes back and forth, or they think they need to have a sex change, or take a take a pill, or, or a hormone treatment, or whatever. It's a social contagion. <clears throat> Other data collected from other research institutions, as well as Gallup's 2020 estimate, have consistently found bisexual to be the most commonly most common LGBT identity. Prior Gallup analysis show bisexuals are much more likely to marry spouses or live with partners of a different sex, man with woman, woman with man, than with spouses or partners who are the same sex as they are. So, they're saying they're bisexual. They're married with kids. And they're cheating on their spouse. Destroying their family. And then guess what those kids are going to be? They're going to be broken homes. It's already bad enough whenever you when your daddy when your daddy bounces on you. I can tell you about daddy issues. I got them. 
So the current LGBTQI movement has lost its way. It has nothing to do with civil rights anymore. Equal protection under the law it has nothing to do with that. The movement, the, the ideology in general doesn't believe in the concept of family. Doesn't seem like. Again, I think the L's and the G's did it one time. I think that I think most of them still do. I think that their movement has been taken over. But you have this huge segment, this bot, BT, whatever. So I'll screw whoever, whenever. And they're getting old and fat and lonely. And they want to be mad at the monogamous couple. Gay or straight. They're mad at the gay, monog gay monogamous couples and the straight monogamous couples for being happy. And now I think they're hell-bent on making sure America's youth are as miserable as they are. I, I mean, it's one of the conclusions I'm coming to here. So let's go look at this next chart and how if you could see, follow with me here. So America's self-identified sexual orientation and gender identity by generation and gender. Again, let's stay at the state on this three percent number. Let's look at gay. Gen Z, millennials, Gen X, baby boomers, traditionalist. The percentage is saying they're gay. Gen Z, two and a half. Millennials, two point two. Gen X, one point one. Baby boomers, one point oh. Traditionals, point four. Women, point four. Men, two point five. Three percent. Nothing higher than it. Historically, homosexuality has been about three percent of the population. Homosexuals have been. Lesbians, percentage. Gen Z, 2.0. Millennials, 1.3. Gen X, 0.8. Baby boomers, 0.7. Traditionalists, 0.1. Women, 1.9. And men, 0.1. Well, guess what, man? Guess what, man? You can't be a lesbian because you're a dude. Same thing with this gender of women. 0.4 of women said they're, well, which I guess I can see a woman saying they're gay because it kind of, it's kind of like the masculine, feminine in, in the Spanish, in the Spanish language here. But, dude, you can't be a lesbian. Again, though, let's look at those numbers. Y'all see anything above 3%? I don't. Let's go over and look at this bisexual number. Again, it's about confusion. Destroying the fabric of the family. You don't know if you're male or female. You don't know if you are attracted to men or women. You don't know you don't know if it means if you're attracted to women but you're a guy but you thought you're gay maybe you're a girl and you're supposed to be gay like it's just it's mass confusion look at this bisexual number so traditional is 0.2% baby boomers 0.7 gen x 1.7 millennials 6.0 gen z 15% of gen z is saying they're bisexual I'm not buying it. I think 15% are admitting they're they're confused and and they they're being provided no direction. The proportion of US adults who consider themselves to be lesbian, this is the bottom line here. Gay, bisexual, or trans has grown at a faster pace over the past year than in prior years. This is occurring as more of Gen Z is reaching adulthood. Given the large disparities in LGBT identification between younger and older generations of Americans, the proportion of all Americans who identify as LGBT can be expected to grow in the future as, young, as younger generations will con constitute a larger share of the total U.S. adult population. With 1 in 10 millennials and 1 in 5 Gen Z members identifying as LGBT, the proportion of LGBT Americans should, should exceed 10% in the near future. Here's what they want to say. 
the data shows no matter what historic that the percentage of the population that are going to be true that are truly homosexual is going to be around three percent. Look it up. Tell me if I'm wrong. I've done a ton of I've tried to research a ton on this thing. What's going to continue to increase is the number of adults that are confused, sad, depressed, promiscuous, mentally unstable, whatever you want to call it. Because here's the true disease. Our public education system. This is where these kids are sitting for damn near 50% of their childhood. Listen to these numbers. 168 hours a week. Let's say they sleep for 56. That means there's 112 hours left. Let's take 55 hours of that, of that time and put them in front of a screen. Maybe, maybe more than that now. Let's say 55, at least 57 hours left in their week. Eight, getting ready and going to school. Seven, let's say seven hours, sports practice or something, doing homework. Three hours eating. And then they spend 30 hours a week at school, in the school building. So they, there's 160 hours in a week, sleep for 56. Let's put 55 hours of them in front of a screen. That means there's 57 hours left for them to, for them to grow up. They spend over half of that time in the school building, and that's where they're supposed to learn everything they're supposed to learn over those 18 years of their life. And through all this data, it's pretty clear to me that something happened. Something changed. Something flipped around 2015. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was some curriculum, if it's some new person in the Department of Education, if, we, if spending exploded, I don't know what it was. But since 2015, the number of children that have been, that are fallen victim to this ideology is exploding. I've got one other chart here for you on this. It's not in this article, but it is from Gallup. Okay, so 18 to 34-year-olds. Actually, let's, let's start with 55-plus-year-olds, okay? That identifies LGBT. White adults, 2%. 55-plus, 55 2%. Black adults, 1.9%. Hispanic, 35 to 54-year-olds, 4.2% of white adults, 4.6% of black adults, 5.8% of Hispanic adults. Now let's go look at Gen Z, late millennials. So let's say people born around like 88, because I'm 36. So I was born in 86, so 88 to 2004. White adults, 15.5% of them say that they're, they're LGBT. 12.1% of black adults, 15.5% of Hispanic adults. Where's the one place? Where's the one place? Whites, blacks, and Hispanics, all three are forced under threat of Department of Health or CPS or whatever, truancy laws, under police, under the threat of police enforcement, 
Where are they forced to be? And where has it exploded? Where have the numbers exploded in that time frame? Public education. It's not just a school anymore. They're teaching you there. They're feeding you three square meals a day there. They got mental health counselors there. They got they got psychiatrists there. They got nurses there. They're giving you your vaccines. They're doing damn everything in there. And parents have no idea. From 35 years old to 55 years old, you add up 4.2, 4.6, 5.8, 2.0, 1.9, 3.5, and guess what? The damn percentage won't be much higher than 3%. The number is 3%. That's what we should be seeing the number be. For 18 to 34-year-olds across all races and ethnicities, it is 15 freaking percent. That's ridiculous. So what Josh Kelly is saying is the LGBT gender ideology is a disease and it's being spread in public schools. And instead of teaching our children, it's confusing the daylight out of them. They don't know which way's up and down, left, right. They, don't, they have no idea. They can't read. We have lower literacy rates than we did during the American Revolution. Yeah, that's, um, that, that's about to blow your freaking mind. Go Google that bad boy real quick. That was a Kennedy that brought that, that, brought that to people's attention. This ideological disease is also being spread in one other place that just so happens to be a favorite of the le of the left wing all the marxists in the in the country at the moment so we got education and we got thought of it yet big pharma baby big med Big hospital, hospital association, putting numbers on the rise in children seeking gender care. Thousands of children in the United States now openly identify as a gender different from the one they were assigned at birth. As the number of transgender children has grown, so has their access to gender-affirming care. Much of it provided at scores of clinics and major hospitals. Reliable counts of adolescents receiving gender-affirming treatment have long been guesswork until now. The data show that more and more families across the country are grappling with profound questions about what type of care to pursue for their children, placing them at the center of a vitriolic national political debate over what it means to protect youth who identify as transgender. It's only vitriolic because in order to try to shut people like me up, you've got to throw around vitriolic insults. You're racist, you're a bigot, you're a Nazi, you're a homophobe, xenophobe, deplorable, insurrectionist. Blah, blah. Don't give a damn anymore. Call me whenever you want to call me. I'm none of it. But if you think I am, I don't care. We're not on the same team. In 2021, about 42,000 children and teens across the U.S. received a diagnosis of gender dysphoria. Nearly triple, nearly triple the number in 2017. According to data this company Komodo compiled for Reuters. Gender dysphoria is defined as the distress caused by the discrepancy between a person's gender identity and the one assigned to them at birth. Overall, the analysis found that at least 121,882 children ages 6 to 17 were diagnosed with gender dysphoria from 2017 to 2021. Reuters found similar trends when it requested state-level data on diagnosis among children covered by Medicaid, the public insurance program for lower-income families. Remember that as I go through this, this article. These numbers they're, going, they're telling us are only reflective of minors from 6 to 17 that also had two other qualifiers. They're diagnosed with gender dysphoria 
And it was, and it was filed through insurance. Private insurance. So Medicaid, not included. Uninsured, not included. Cash payers, not, in, not included. Pro bono services, not included. So these numbers are absolutely low because we also know through data that lower income minors are more likely to identify these ways and to have some of these issues. So those, and those people are, guess what, either on Medicaid or uninsured. Gender-affirming care for use takes several forms, from social recognition of a preferred name and pronouns to medical interventions such as hormone therapy and sometimes surgery. It takes several forms. You know, some of them are just, some of them are just you know, lie-hearted as, you know, pro- using preferred names and pronouns. Sometimes, sometimes it's, I mean, sometimes it involves cutting their pecker off. But, no but. The surgery part should be uh, in bold. A, a small but increasing number of U.S. children diagnosed with gender dysphoria are choosing medical interventions to express their identity and help alleviate their distress. Number one, U.S. children aren't choosing anything. Informed consent is not something minors are capable of doing. Parents can't buy their kids cigarettes and booze and all the stuff like that either. Can't They can't sign off on them watching porn. Child protective services will be called in a heartbeat. So they can't choose medical interventions. Children can't choose diddly squat. My children can't choose the healthy the health, the healthy dinner to eat. In the morning, if I said, "What do you want for, what do you want for breakfast? Hershey Kisses or eggs and bacon?" They would choose Hershey Kisses. These medical treatments don't begin until the onset of puberty, typically around age ten or eleven. Then why is the damn data from ages six to seventeen? Because you're a liar. You just said children are choosing these medical interventions. This is the same person that thinks that children should be on school boards or should have a seat on the deciding legislation to govern millions of people in their state. These people are idiots. For children at this age and stage of development, puberty-blocking medications are an option. These drugs... Suppress the release of the sex hormones, testosterone, and estrogen. The U.S. FDA <clears throat> has approved drugs to treat prostate cancer, endometriosis, and central precocious puberty. But not gender dysphoria. Which means their use for gender-affirming care is off-label. I'm old enough to remember... When they were treating doctors, like they were absolutely dumb as a box of rocks for wanting to prescribe ivermectin off-label for COVID, even though there was evidence it was working. I most remember whenever they started acting like doctors that were in, they were in family practices I think those uh, what do they call them internist or whatever their entire going off label is what suppose they're supposed to do they're talking to, talking to them like they're crazy people but it's totally fine for them to use off label a drug that while legal this is from the article that while legal lacks the support of clinical trials to establish their safety for such treatment over the last five years, there were at least 4,780 adolescents who started on puberty blockers and had a prior gender dysphoria diagnosis. That doesn't mean they're the only ones. It means they're the, the only 5,000. It means that there was 5,000 that had a prior gender dysphoria diagnosis. God knows how many other ones there were with other diagnoses. This tally and others 
are likely an undercount because they didn't include treatment that wasn't covered by insurance and were limited to pediatric patients with a gender dysphoria diagnosis. Practitioners may not log this diagnosis when prescribing treatment. <coughs> I mean, they're saying it all out loud. By suppressing sex hormones, puberty-blocking medications stop the onset of secondary sex characteristics such as breast development and menstruation in adolescents assigned female at birth. For those assigned male at birth, the, drug, the drugs inhibit development of a deeper voice and an Adam's apple and growth, and growth of facial and body hair. So basically, everything, everything that will make a potential mate female may think they're attractive. They're going to have a squeaky voice, no Adam's apple, no facial and body hair. Means I'm not going there. I'm not going down that road. They just say that women ain't going to think they're hitting the, gen, the genetic pull lottery. They get to do with no Adam's apple. Squeaky voice, no facial hair, no body hair. It also limits growth of genitalia. So even if a female does find them attractive and they find out they're not whatever they thought they were, probably going to have a micro penis that may or may not even be u- usable. They may not be ha- they, they're probably they can already be sterile from the medications in general. But now this act. Of having sexual relations with a partner is damn near impossible. Without puberty, listen, okay, here's the one. Without puberty blockers, such physical changes can cause severe distress in many transgender children. If an adolescent stops the medication, puberty resumes. Everyone, listen to me when I say this. Preacher man, hear what I'm saying. I'm using this word because I need to shock people awake right here. That statement is bullshit. Puberty doesn't resume. You get there's windows. There's windows where you can learn to eat, read easier. There's windows when you're gonna get your armpit hair coming in. There's windows when your voice is gonna get deep. There's windows when your balls are gonna drop. There's windows when your breasts are gonna come in. Just like there's a window of time that you're going to be able to have children without it being highly likely that they come out with some kind of genetic uh, whatever disorder. At least 14,726 minors started hormone treatment with a prior gen- gender dysphoria diagnosis from 2017 to 2021. For children that take hormones, whether it be testosterone for Adolescents that were female, they weren't assigned female. They were female. They were they had the those they had female chromosomes or they had a vagina. For estrogen, for people born male, so either had those chromosomes or had or had a Peter. Adolescents assigned female birth who take testosterone may notice that fat goes to their hips and thighs. That fat is redistributed from their hips and thighs to their abdomen. Arms and legs may appear more muscular. Brow and jawline may become more pronounced. Teens assigned male at birth who take estrogen may notice the hair on their body softens and thins. Fat goes from their abdomen to their butt and their thighs. Their testicles may shrink and sex drive diminish. Some changes from hormone treatment are permanent. How about this? The most important changes that would have occurred during puberty had you not been on puberty blockers and hormones are permanent. <laughs> Tesco strength is front. You don't grow boobs, you never you don't grow boobs. Hormone treatment may leave an adolescent infertile, especially if the child also took puberty blockers in early age. That and other picture side effects are not well studied. So the people that were want to say we're we're against the surgeries, but the block the puberty blockers and hormones are different. 
Hormone treatment may leave an adolescent infertile, especially if the child also took puberty blockers at an early age. So the surgery, I would argue, the surgeries are probably taking place because these this already happened, and the person knows they're infertile, or they have a micro penis, and they and they're like, they know they're destined for a life of unhappiness if they don't try the other. The ultimate step in gender-affirming care, gender-affirming medical treatment is surgery, which is uncommon in patients under 18. Some children's hospitals and gender clinics don't offer surgery to minors. I love how the rest of this article is numbers-driven, totally specific, 14,796. But they neglect to tell you the actual number here. But if it saves just one life, right? You need to tell me. The Komodo analysis of insurance claims found 56 genital surgeries among among patients ages 13 to 17 with a prior gender dysphoria diagnosis from 2019 to 2021. Among teens, top surgery to remove breasts is more common. In the three in the three years ending in 2021, at least 700. At least 776 mastectomies were performed in the United States on patients ages 13 to 17. This tally does not include procedures that were paid for out of pocket. 2019, 2020, 2021. Almost a thousand little girls in this country. were allowed to choose to cut their breast off. I have two little girls. This makes me want to, I just want to sort of whip some dad's asses right now. A total of 17,683 patients ages 6 through 17 with a prior gender dysphoria diagnosis initiated either puberty blockers or hormones or both during the five-year period. And again, these are only figures for insurance claims. It's a disease being spread by two institutions that most of us been to have been told our whole life are the most trustworthy ones on the planet. Are you ever more vulnerable and open and accepting and trusting as a human? Are you ever more of those things than when you walk into a school building And when you or when you walk into a doctor's office, most of us are more trusting, honest, transparent, vulnerable in those two places than we are at home in church. Nurses are heroes, doctors are heroes, teachers are heroes, right? That's what Representative Josh Calloway is talking about. Something is going on. A disease known as gender ideology is spreading like wildfire. Like it came straight out of the Wuhan Institute and running rampant through schools and big pharma and it's targeting little children and all of the data 
proves it. And it's recent. Sometime in the last 10 to 15 years, something changed. And every year that a new generation turns 18 years old, every year, the number of kids that are saying they are LGBTQIA plus negative posture sign is getting larger. Both from a percentage standpoint and from a sheer numbers standpoint. This is not me being a bigot, a Nazi, a homophobe, a xenophobe, a racist. It's, it's not me being any of that. Anybody who knows me in my personal life knows that I like spend more. I, I give more of my time to the youth in my community than I do some of my own children. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, my, my time and my money is where my mouth's at. But we're all going to have to just come to terms and call a spade a spade. There are good teachers. <clears throat> there are good people, individuals in the LG community. And listen, a lot of the BDQI people, I get. What I'm, one thing I'm arguing here is it's not them as individuals. They're not even choosing this stuff. They never had a chance. It's being pumped right into their brain by the people they're supposed to trust the most, supposedly. They should be trusting their parents, the closest people in their community. That's what Josh meant. Any of these individuals came to Josh Calloway, came to me, came to Jennifer Decker that sponsored the trans surgery bill in the Kentucky legislature this session. If any of these people came to one of us as individuals and needed help, I can tell you point blank, 100%, all three of us would do everything in our power to help any of, these, any of the individuals. But something's got to give. I know Josh ain't backing down. I know I'm not backing down. I'm seeing churches getting involved and they're not backing down. I'm seeing gays against groomers on Twitter. They're not backing down. I see other individual lesbian gay people they're starting to stand up for this stuff they're not backing down they have they have children they have mortgages they have they have insurance they're they're dropping their kids off at school they want their kids to be happy the same way I want my kids to be happy it's the ideology this push to confuse children every which way possible. That's got to stop. I know I threw a lot of numbers to y'all tonight. Might confuse the daylights out of you. I'd love to hear anything y'all think I got wrong. If y'all thought I sounded hateful or mean or whatever, let me hear it so I can address it. If I'm if I'm totally missing on the numbers here, let me know. I don't think I am. Tonight, a, tonight, a article dropped on from the Lexington Herald regarding some individuals that are worried about SP one hundred and fifty going live. 
more time we'll talk about that. And a couple other things. But I appreciate y'all listening. Hopefully I'll be back with you here, here shortly. Have a good have a good rest of your evening. Bye.